my brothers and sisters in Christ. The book of Genesis tells us that in the beginning, there was only one commandment, one law. Do not eat from the truth in the center of the garden. Do not eat that fruit. Simple command, simple law. And by our rejecting that command and that law, the consequences have been so great that it has taken salvation history to bring about a reconciliation. Each significant event that we see in sacred scripture, God reveals a little bit about himself, a little bit about his plan, his plan for us. And more importantly, it yields a little bit about who we are and what we are supposed to be about. The lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are God's formation of a nation, a people that he would set apart to be peculiarly his own. And there comes a time where he hears the cry of his people. For 400 years, they have been slaves in Egypt. And he picks a man, Moses, and he says, I want you to go and talk to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And when he accomplishes this, he takes them to a mountain. And he goes up that mountain, and God gives him 10 commandments. Every time I think of the 10 commandments, I think of that scene in Mel Brooks' History of the World, part one, where he has Moses coming down the mountain with three tablets. And he says, I have these 15, and he drops one, he goes, 10, 10 commandments. But the interesting part of that is, is God gave Moses 10, but by the time of the advent of Jesus, there were 613 additional commands that they must follow. And of these 613, some of them were telling you how far you could walk on the Sabbath day, what work you could perform on that day, what you must do to prepare to eat meals, how you must wash your hands, wash the food. And the people are saying, like I always say, 613, I have enough trouble with 10. Give me a break. Yet the call is, we're not to be people of the letter of the law, but rather people of the intent of the law. What does God really have in mind with these 10 commandments? Then Sirach was trying to answer that very question when he addressed his students. And he says, you, you have the ability to follow the 10 commandments if you want to. It's up to you. Quit blaming God for all the sin that's in the world. It's your fault. It's your response to the law, not God. 
God remains consistent. God is love. And so in our gospel passage, when Jesus calls the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he says, look at the law, not the letter, not even the smallest part of the letter. What is God calling you to do? You are his people. Respond to him in the love that he has given you. And so he says, you've heard, you shall not commit murder. But I tell you, even if you are angry, you are laying the seeds for murder. Even if you call people names, you are laying those seeds. That's why it's more important that you are friends reconciled with your neighbor than placing your gift on the altar. And if you commit adultery, that's not the big sin, it's the lust that you have in your mind. Because of that lust, you are denying a woman her right, that dignity that is hers from the very beginning. She is not your plaything. She is not your property. She is an individual that you have forgotten that God created in the beginning, male and female, and he created them equal. Love one another. And then what he tells them about coming to understand the law. Jesus is preparing to answer that question of the lawyer who said to him, Master, what is the greatest law? What is the best first commandment? Jesus uses the old Shema, the statement to Israel, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God. He alone, therefore you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your being. Therefore, the first commandment is love God. Love him with every fiber of your being. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The evening before he was willing to die for us, he told his disciples, I give you a new commandment. Therefore, we have 11 commandments. And that commandment was, love one another as I have loved you. Three commandments summarizes our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. Love of God, love of neighbor, and the ability to love as Jesus himself loved. So what's holding us back? We had trouble right at the beginning with one commandment. And I suppose the three is just as bad. But you and I are called to follow the law. This is not worried about whether I coasted through that five-way stop 
sign out there outside the church or come up behind the guy that's already there and when he goes, I go too at the same time because my date is more important than the health and well-being of the flow of traffic. It's not that following. It is a following and a response to God's great love. They used to say about Christians, you can tell they are Christians by their love. When I listen to the news, when I read the newspaper, I wonder what's happened to that love. What's happened to that common decency where we respect one another? What's happened to our ability to listen to a point that's different than ours and not be ready to go to war? What has happened? Have we become so callous, so self-centered, that we no longer care whether love exists in the world? Our readings beckon to us to reevaluate our position, to reevaluate our concern for one another, not just our friends, but the alien among us, for we too once were aliens in a foreign land. If we open our heart to love, if we open our heart to one another, peace flows from that opening. And if we want peace in the world, then let's start by building love.